We are thrilled to share with you an exciting episode coming later in the season. We are going to be doing the Lucky Few Ultimate Holiday Gift Giving Guide. Do you have a product that our listeners need to discover? Perhaps the perfect holiday gift? Well, get excited, people, because as the holidays roll around, we will be sharing with our listeners some of our favorite products. We are seeking submissions for our Lucky Few Ultimate Holiday Gift Guide episode. If you have a product you'd like us to consider, head over to theluckyfewpodcast.com and fill out the gift guide form. We can't wait to hear from you. Hey friends, welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Micah, Mercedes, and Heather. And today we are chatting about something so many of us are desperate to understand, the dreaded discipline word. Uh. Discipline. (laughs) So uh, we, none of us, I mean, we're asking ourselves this question all the time, whether we have children with Down syndrome or not. I just was at my mom's group yesterday. We were having the same conversation. How do we support positive behavior in our children? And in particularly today, how do we support positive behavior in our kids and our teens with Down syndrome? So to talk about it, we have brought in a very special guest, the guy who literally wrote the book on that question, Badoon Dr. David Stein. Oh, Dr. David Stein. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big one, friends. This is it's a big, a big deal. One. He's brilliant. Yes. His book is so helpful. If you don't so have helpful. it, the book is called Supporting Positive Behavior in Children and Teens with Down Syndrome. With It says the respond but don't react method. Oh, uh, so isn't that we the hardest? Going, <laughs> it is the hardest. We're so excited you're here for the Lucky Podcast. Lucky Few Podcast. So we are here. We have this amazing guest today to uh, talk about how to help shape our kids' behavior. His name is Dr. David Stein. And as we said earlier, he's the author of the book, Supporting Positive Behavior in Children and Teens with Down Syndrome. Dr. Stein is a pediatric psychologist specializing in neuropsychological testing, assessment of neurodevelopmental disorders, and behavioral and cognitive behavioral therapy. I said it all very carefully and slowly so I could pronounce all the big words, you guys. Thank you. (laughs) He was on the faculty of Boston Children's Hospital and an instructor at Harvard Medical School from 2010 until 2016. So what we got here is a 100% expert. Mm -hmm. Yes, so before we bring him in, and before we start talking about behavior, I just wanted to have a sense of like, what is your, what do you guys feel when we start talking about discipline, especially for our kids with Down syndrome? Um, I know for me, Sunflower is my first and uh, I felt like, I almost felt like I didn't know I was going to have to discipline her. I know that sounds weird, but so often people with Down syndrome are under the stereotype of just being happy, peppy people all the time. And she was such an easy, easygoing baby, great sleeper, awesome temperament. And once she became a toddler, I, so I, I honestly didn't think I'd ever be able to get mad at my darling daughter, Sunflower. I mean, how do you even <laughs> just say that name in an angry voice? You can't. Well, you can. <laughs> Any any child is hard. But I remember feeling once she hit like those twos and threes, repetitive behavior such as throwing or just being really, really needy because she's not able to talk about her what she wants and um, their stubbornness started to come out. I remember like looking around like my different support groups and being like, is anybody else having trouble behaviorally with their child with Down syndrome? Like we're talking a lot about how we love them. They've inspired us and all Mm. these different things. And I'm like, what if you're kind of annoyed or kind of bothered (laughs) by certain behavior? 
Like, I remember feeling kind of alone. Like, does anybody discipline their child with Down syndrome or are we just kind of letting them go because they're cute? Mm -hmm. Like, I really honestly had to be like, I remember, I think I even asked you, Heather, a bunch of times, but what about discipline? Like, I kept trying to, like, feel out different moms. Like, is this okay that we discipline? Like, what are our expectations? Um, So, for me, I've been stepping into behaviors and discipline or into discipline kind of, like, tippy-toe because I I didn't know if it was a safe conversation or Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it looked like with sunflower like i just felt like it was a different expectations which is false and it's not true we have standards for our children with down syndrome we believe in their capabilities but for some reason i was under a weird assumption that they're too cute and too sweet to discipline yeah right i i feel like i have a little bit of a different approach i agree with what you're saying marissa and i've had those feelings but as mason got a little bit older i do remember kids with down syndrome being closely linked to behavior issues Mm. um mostly like once they get to school Mm -hmm. and like a behavior support plan and i think it's more because i had taught special education right right. so i was familiar with these things right and it always felt like such a negative thing and so i i started getting to the point where i'm like well no mason's not a behavior issue Mm -hmm. um like this was a bad thing and that's kind of where i've had to get away from is i think i even may have prolonged getting her the support she needed because I wanted to, I just was like no she's not going to be a behavior issue right okay. and when you look at this book it's like oh our none of our kids are behavior issues they're processing right. the world differently and we right. need to give them support so mm. they can be successful um but the, with school especially there's such a stigma I think right. around like behavior oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and even when we do dance classes or church it's like well oh yeah do they have any behavior issues Right. Like, well, they're a kid. Of course, they have a behavior issue. They're a kid. We're one hundred percent. She does, <laughs> and so do I. And For I'm sure, sure you do too. <laughs> uh, well, I I am so thrilled to to bring on Dr. Stein. And before we talk about all things behavior and behavior issues, uh, <laughs> we're going to pause for a super quick word from our sponsor. Today, the Lucky Few podcast is sponsored by our good friends over at Love Every, where playtime is thoughtfully crafted by experts for your baby's developing brain. Stick around to find out about a special deal Love Every is offering later in the episode. All right, we are so excited to become better mamas today. So, and we are so thrilled to bring Dr. Stein on. But we wanted, what I wanted was to hear from you two first before we bring him on. Of course, all three of us have children who have Down syndrome and we have children who don't. How amazing are you at handling <laughs> behavior <laughs> stuff? How, how wonderful of moms are you guys? <laughs> on a scale of I one to so. 10 this morning, <laughs> like a two. <laughs> so you can talk to me later. Um, parenting is no joke. Raising kids is no joke. And then you add Down syndrome. And I always say my middle daughter who doesn't have Down syndrome is actually my most challenging behaviorally. Um, but lately my 10 year old Mason who has Down syndrome, we're just like in transition. So all of the things that we've done, nothing's working. So I feel like today mm-hmm. with Dr. Stein, I know that we need to ask questions that will help all the listeners, but I also would like it to be my own personal therapy session. So <laughs> that <out> there. <laughs> it's hard. It's so hard. Behavior and discipline and all of that is so freaking hard. So hard. I think. Yes. Yes. What about you, Mercedes? Scale of one to 10, I'm probably, um, I'm with Heather. I'm like a two or three. Sunflower is my oldest. She's five and has Down syndrome. And um, she's my first go at everything. So the whole disciplinarian thing, the whole behavior thing, how I am. As a mom, I just feel like she gets all of it while extra ha- while having that extra chromosome. So I am brand new and need all the help. Love the book. Mm-hmm. The part with um, the siblings, she has behavior. Mm-hmm. Rhodes reacts. He's three. That is the hard one. That and you know, that's probably the most challenging part right now is their relationship. Adding me into like trying to resolve. So we're just in a thing. 
Right. <laughs> it's my therapy right. session too, Heather. Scoot over. Yeah. <laughs> we all have so many opportunities for learning here. Micah, where are you we at? Do. Really? We, we do. do. Um, this is this is funny because I just posted this in my Instagram stories the other day of me making Ace, who is three and has Down syndrome, clean up all the milk that he had thrown off the table again. And he was really cute with that little sponge. But I it was so fascinating because I got like 20 responses to that story being like, if you figure out how to get, keep your kid from throwing his cup, please tell me because I don't know how to keep him from throwing his cup either. So I feel like there's, you know, as, at, as a three-year-old, the consequences of his behavior are not as intense. If he throws his cup, you know, we have to clean up milk, but um, it's just going to get harder. And so I'm really excited to um, hear from Dr. Stein. I heard him speak a couple of years ago at the National Down Syndrome Convention. And um, so this is, this is wonderful. So I think let's, let's bring in our ultimate expert in all things helping our kids with Down Syndrome have positive behavior. So yes, Dr. David Stein, thank you so much for joining us today on the Lucky Few podcast. Um, thank you. you probably, yes, welcome. You probably just heard us discussing, we have a lot of thoughts and feelings and questions. So um, our hope is like in the next 20 minutes, you will tell us everything about how to be a good parent. That's our plan, at <laughs> least. <laughs> so, um, so let's get to it. Um, so we all just finished your book and um, we have 100 million questions. I feel like in summary, it would be, we need to use less words and more visuals in all the things, um, use incentives, redirect, or replace behaviors. Do you feel like that sums up a little bit of what your behavior methods are, Dr. Stein? Yeah, so that would be a good summary of the behavior methods, but the big kind of umbrella that we're doing all of those things underneath is um, about your emotions as a parent and your relationship with your kiddo. Um, so all of those things are important, but none of them really matter if we don't get a handle on our emotional responses to behavior um, and how we interact with kids. Um, because we can have the best behavior strategies, we can have um, you know, everything done exactly as I lay it out in the book but if we're losing our cool and getting upset um, and don't have a handle on our emotional responses, all the other stuff is not going to do all that much good. That's really good. Um, and, and as you say, that just totally resonates with me mm -hmm. for sure. And I can like picture in my mind times where I've lost my cool and times where I haven't. And it is very different outcomes with mm -hmm. the kids for sure. Um, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about the brain development with Down syndrome. I feel like when I read that in the book, um, there was a part of me that felt like this is so helpful to know mm -hmm. because it doesn't just feel like I'm out of control here. Like right. there's actually something physiologically happening. Can you talk to us a little bit about Down syndrome and their brains? Yeah, sure. Um, there are a few big differences in the brain and Down syndrome. When kids are born, there's not much of a difference between a child with Down syndrome and a child without. But in the first couple of years of life, things tend to kind of um, change quite a bit or the development is different. Um, so the first area that's different is in um, executive functioning. And so executive function is this kind of broad term, but um, kind of to simplify it a bit, you can think about it living in the front of the brain primarily. Um, and it's all the skills that you need in order to get something done to achieve a goal so those would include, you know, staying focused, planning out your approach, um, organizing yourself, not being impulsive, you know, just wanting to finish. Um, and those are things that are difficult for people with Down syndrome um, very often. So it's kind of a similar profile in many ways to ADHD in that impulse control is challenging, paying attention is challenging. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing that's different is... Um, information processing, so literally just taking in new information and holding on to it. Um, so number one, kids with Down syndrome and adults tend to struggle to process verbal information and do much better with visuals. So that's one of the things you guys mentioned is 
more and more visuals is going to be helpful, which is true. Um, but in addition to visual being uh, a strong suit in relation to verbal, um, the other thing that's challenging for people with Down syndrome is what's called encoding. So what that means is transferring information from short-term to long-term memory. And the part of the brain that's involved with that primarily is the hippocampus. Um, so a fun way to think about that is, you know, there's a memory hippo that's carrying the memories from short-term to long-term. Um, and so the hippocampus is different in people with Down syndrome. And some of the drug trials that have been around the past couple of years, that's what they've been working on, is looking to see if they can improve the function of the hippocampus um, to improve development. So anyway, if the hippocampus is different and kids have trouble encoding information, um, what that means is that people are not taking in information as efficiently as, you know, the child sitting next to them who does not have Down syndrome. So you might be giving a verbal direction as a parent or a teacher, and that information is not being processed as effectively as for a child without Down syndrome. Um, and then the last big difference I'll talk about is that understanding of language, receptive language, tends to be much stronger than the ability to produce language or expressive mm -hmm. language. So that in itself can be very, very frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, and put all of those things together, all of those differences that are, you know, based in how the brain is developing, but play out behaviorally, it's not really a surprise that kids act out. You know, that's um, right. makes for a tough combination that of factors. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that's what. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Heather. Heather. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that's that, and that makes so much sense. Like the processing of language mm -hmm. being difficult. Like when we are saying to our kid, stop throwing the cup, no throwing the cup, and expecting that to be enough to help them not do that behavior anymore. Um, it's not going to be enough because the their brains are not built in a way to just receive our words and then change their behavior, right? You're, you're right, but here's the interesting thing about the throwing of the cup. For your child is three, you said? Yes. Okay. That's right. Um, Ace, you said is his name? Yes, Ace. Awesome name, I love it. Um, Thanks. So um, if Ace is three chronologically, um, by virtue of having Down syndrome, cognitively he's probably not quite three. Um, mm -hmm. When kids are, you know, a little younger than that, and we give them a cup or anything on their, you know, tray for dinner or whatever it may be, we are not surprised at all when they throw that thing across the room, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And when that happens with young kids, we don't think, oh, we need to punish them. We think this is, that's part of development is that kids are all, all of a sudden realizing, wow, I can have a big impact on the world. I can cause some destruction. You know, uh -huh. I can <laughs> And the way we manage that is not, you know, I like what you did is to have him help clean up. That's a good way to teach, you know, that this is not something you're going to get positive attention for. It's something, you know, you're going to have to deal with the consequences rather than a punishment. Um, however, what I would probably do in that situation is, you know, think of it developmentally that, oh, this is, you know, what young children do. They like mm -hmm. to throw their food and, their, and spill their milk. And, and so I would probably just do, you know, uh, one of those cool, you know, water bottles with a with a cap on it that you know you can throw it anywhere sure. you like, and the milk <laughs> stays in the cup. Uh, so a lot of this is also, you know, taking a different frame of reference that I can try and deal with this behavior, or get rid of it. I can punish, right. do a lot of these strategies, or I can just adapt the environment because that type of behavior that'll go away on its own, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a developmental stage. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of the book, and what one of the things I loved is that it feels like common sense. You know, I was just reading the chapter of the the girl who was pushing her peers down the stairs at school, and <laughs> and your suggestion was have her hold the rail and then hold the teacher's hands so that mm -hmm. both her hands are being used, and it's like. Oh yeah, yeah, that works. When yeah. Like and yeah, I just I love that it's sometimes we get so complicated in how we respond to our kids' behavior instead of just being really simple. Put a cap on on the cup. Yeah. I know for myself I feel like this is just a confession that I want to have control. Like there is that aspect of I am the mom and you are the child, so do what I say. 
Totally, and yeah. when when that's just exhausting and it doesn't help anyone. So instead, put the lid on the cup and then he throws the cup and then then he'll grow out of that, you know? <laughs> so it's a so it's a natural human tendency for us to want to say I'm bigger than you, I'm older than you, I'm in charge, and to kind of bear down and say, you know, you're going to do what I want, or when a behavior happens, to kind of want to punish and react strongly and get, you know, upset, because you think that's kind of like the right thing to do, quote unquote. But the reality is that stuff just does not work. Um, And that's true for most kids, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, being rigid and being inflexible and, you know, taking that kind of authoritarian perspective is pretty ineffective across the board. Um, The prevention and kind of understanding behavior from a developmental perspective, it just works better. And you'll also probably live longer as a parent, you know, because you're not in like having gray hairs. Um, But, you know, it's it's really, it's true. And when you, um, I think that, you know, one of the signs of mental health and that you're doing well psychologically as an adult is being flexible. Mm-hmm. Every time you catch yourself being really rigid, you know, like, well, <laughs> maybe I'm not in the best state of mind. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. Um, and, and not only is it not going to work, but on top of the rigidity not really helping a child behave well, you're getting frustrated and, and that, mind, that emotional state that you're in is also a triggative, trigger for negative behaviors. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought, like, this is the thing that um, I think my husband and I both got the most out of this book was thinking about how when we're mad or frustrated, that actually reinforces the negative behavior. And the same thing with with Ace's older brothers, when they get frustrated and yell, that's reinforcing his negative behavior. Um, and so I think that that's like what you have to say in the book about that in a, very, a lot of different ways, this this idea of yelling stop biting your brother that they're not going to hear stop this behavior they're going to go mom's making a funny face and stomping on the ground this is funny will you talk to us a little bit more about that yeah so you know again if you remember that language is harder for people with down syndrome to process but also just for kids in general what you're saying you know is not as important as your body language so your verbal message to your son or your daughter might be, you know, don't do that and you're going to be in big trouble and you're going to lose your iPad for the rest of your life or whatever it may be. Um, If you have a lot of emotion and strong facial expressions and strong tone of voice, all of your words are meaningless. What is going on in your child's brain is, wow, that is cool, and I, you know, what a big reaction I just got. Just like throwing the cup on the ground with the milk. You made mm-hmm. a big splash. So instead of a big splash on the ground, I made a big splash on mom or dad's face. That was even better than the milk, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so it just makes that behavior more interesting and fun. And, you know, tomorrow when your kiddo is bored, that's what they're going to want to do. You know, hey, let me get that big reaction. I'm kind of bored. Yeah. So we think we're responding in a way that should limit that behavior, but we're actually probably making it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have to go soon, but I wanted to ask you another question. We're having at school, and I'm going to hand this book, and I think I'm going to buy the book for um, the teacher and maybe every year for the teacher <laughs> for Sunflower. Forever. But, for everyone who interacts with the right? Um A big thing at school is after recess, my girl is super active and she doesn't want to line up. And so her one-on-one aide has to like go run after her and like everybody's freezing, but she takes off running. And, <laughs> and, and the aide ends up picking her up and carrying her to the line because she's like kind of like, I don't know what to do. And it's like, it seems like a waiting game, but Sunny is very fun and stubborn. And so she'll wait you out forever. So I, I know that age, she's like, I, I'm staying positive. I'm like, okay, Sunny, we'll get to do an art project. And she's doing all those things. But like, um, any suggestions on that? Because she's like, it's like <laughs> 10 minutes later and she's not coming off of recess. And I don't, it, and it just seems like a hard one. Like, how long do you wait? What's an incentive? How old is your daughter? She's five. Yeah. So the good news is that's usually another time limited behavior. You know, that usually gets better because impulse control is 
you know, based largely in the front of the brain and that as that develops, kids' impulse control usually gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, in that situation, what you don't want to do is make the behavior fun and interesting, right? So you don't want to get upset and, you know, get very emotional and give the kid a lot of attention because that, you know, so I've heard this story from tons of parents and they get very upset and teachers as well. And then the child thinks it's a game, you know, so you want, basically what you want to do is make that behavior. So you, if you have to go get her for safety, go get her. But don't look at her, don't talk to her, you know, just be very boring and flat, you know, in terms of your emotions. Um, and then if it's possible, you know, have, you can you could wait her out um, in a very boring way. So it's not engaging with her a lot. It's not, you know, talking and bribing and saying, you know, let's go right. back in and we'll do X, Y, and Z. It's just like, I'm going to stand here, you're going to sit there, and it's going to be really, really boring. Right. Um and, you know, you said 10 minutes. Well, if you – it's similar to when you have a baby and you're trying to help them learn to comfort themselves in the middle of the night and so you can get some sleep, you know? Right. Um, even though that 10 minutes feels like an eternity to you, it's 10 minutes, right? So you might have to live through those 10 minutes or even 20 minutes a few days in a row, you know, to get that behavior under better control. And that's okay. You know, it's all, right. it's like kind of short-term pain for long-term gain. Um, Us millennials are not good at that, so. Um, um, <laughs> that's would, another episode. No. <laughs> would this be uh, an example that you could do a social story on the front end so that, mm. so if that would work with this example? Yeah, you could do a social story. You could do, you know, so that would lay out in visuals the expected behaviors and you know what you expect to see in that situation you could also do just like a simple first then you know okay. or a little schedule you know we're going to go to recess we're going to play outside and then after recess you know we're going to do whatever art or something like you know that. like that right. so that because that's another big picture item um it, is that i always think with a future orientation so it's kind of like not what happened an hour ago and you're in trouble because of what you did in the past or not, you know, and it's not, we're going to just have a power struggle and fight about, you know, I say go in and you say, I'm going to stay outside. It's what's next. What's the, you know, looking forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking positive and I'm always thinking toward the future. So what's next for your daughter to get her inside, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the tank. If you can just explain that, that felt really important to hear that our, so can you, can you talk a little bit about our kids' tanks? Yeah, so there have been some studies showing that, you know, motivation is different in people with Down syndrome and that there, you know, there might be a difference in their wish to master a task, to get things, you know, perfect or complete. Um, so that's one way of looking at it. I think part of that and also another lens to to view that through is that when you have a disability, um, everything is harder. You know, it's harder to listen to the teacher. It's harder to stay sitting. It's harder to process the material, to understand the concepts. So as a result of that, people with disabilities just run out of gas more sooner, more more quickly, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Good grammar. Um, More quickly than their peers who don't have disabilities because it's just literally taking more energy to, to complete those tasks. So as a result of that, you see a lot of people with disabilities just kind of refuse and, you know, um, especially as the day goes on, just become fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can view that as a behavior problem and say, you know, we have to do all these different things to make you more motivated. Or we can say, well, you know, that's, that's part of having a disability and how can we structure the day so that we're giving breaks and, you know, we're mm. putting the most important parts of the day in the morning, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. So I structure, for example, my clinical schedule is structured all around how people's brain works and, and you know, when people are at their best. So if you want to come to this office for an evaluation, we start at 830 in the morning and all the high stakes tests are done right, you know, in the morning, bright and early. Um, and as And then later in the day is for consultations and feedbacks because... You know, I know that kids are not at their best at that time. Mm-hmm. 
It's really great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for your time and for your expertise and for all of the work that you do. It's so unbelievably helpful for all of us mamas. Thank you so much. Thanks for the feedback. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you. Thank yeah. you. All right. Thanks. Take care. Wow. That was, there was so much goodness in the stuff he had to say. And I feel like, um, well, I feel like everybody should read the book because there's, it's so simple and it also, for whatever reason, is not, I don't think that I go to the common sense stuff he goes to immediately. I feel like immediately in my kid's behavior, I go to like this very complicated, like, like, you know, how am I going to give a consequence or what am I going to do next? Um, so it was just so helpful. And at the same time, I think we all have so many more questions and I wish we could have talked to him longer. How did you guys feel about the conversation? I didn't want it to end. Yes. (laughs) I had so many scenarios and stories to bombard him with. (laughs) Okay, but what about this? And what about this? What about the one time? Right. (laughs) And I felt like it was kind of more of like what he was reminding me of and kind of what I got from the book as well is just endurance to stay Mm -hmm. positive. And I loved his thing about um, our mental space like if we're getting angry quickly and all that as adults then we're probably just not in the right frame of mind just kind of it's always back to self-reflection isn't it everybody (laughs) and endurance i'm like okay i start off the day happy okay sunny we're gonna sit on the potty oh Oh this is so fun (laughs) we're gonna sit on the potty you guys i can play the role and by the end of the day i'm like for the love of god sunny Let's try and sit stick, on the potty. Stick that little, and then you almost cuss it, or you stick that little ASS on sit that on pot the right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Endurance, I, my friends. <laughs> yesterday, I was really short-tempered in the afternoon with my kids, and I was, like, reflecting about it, slash feeling guilty right. and, <laughs> last night before bed. And I was like, oh, Yeah. I didn't go to bed till 11 and I got up at 4.15. That's why I was like... You're tired. (laughs) Mean to my kids. Yeah. And I think that's... I feel like I learned this lesson over and over of like, it actually matters how I take care of myself. Right. And I do need to be in a healthy mental space when I'm with my kids. So true. And and even in our conversation with him, that that's where we said like, does pictures sum it up or whatever and he's like well the main thing is the parent state of mind i know which is like, <laughs> i was like, like darn you don't you mean want. there's like a can photo i can show pictures? sunny give her a sticker <laughs> more stickers please more stickers um i'm having so mason is 10 as we all know mason is pre-puberty and can we talk about that? <laughs> what? Yeah, we should definitely. Let's have him back on and have a pre-puberty episode. It's freaking me out. The change is happening in her body. It's freaking me out. We're going to listen back to this as an adult and be like, Mom, you're the worst. I love you, Mace. And um, <laughs> she, so the, she's hormonal. And then he talks about that in his book. And like, that's a whole other thing, right? Down syndrome or not teenage girls or preteen girls and their hormones. So I feel like right now we're in a weird space too because we've transitioned. So we're in a new home, new neighborhood, new school, new dance studio, all the things are new. Mm -hmm. And then, and she's only been in school seven weeks. And um, that seems like maybe a long time, but it's not. Everything takes a little bit longer. Just as a reminder to like extend grace to her and to myself and not to be in a rush and like what he was saying Mercedes about right. the 10 minutes like that 10 minutes feels like an eternity but it's just 10 minutes you know and right. then I think okay we had a similar thing with Mason on the playground the school had to call me and I had to go to the school to help her off the playground and every time that happens which is not often right. but I have like a huge eye roll and I think you guys are freaking adults right. figure this out she's a <laughs> tiny human being right figure it out <laughs> and I always think and I've said this to them just ignore her and she let her know what's expected of her. Ignore her and she'll she'll come. Like, well, it's a safety issue. Oh, anyways, I'm gonna go on a rant. It's a but this one time <laughs> the safety issue, and I'm like, what's the safety? What's the dangerous part? Well, the next kids are coming out for recess. 
like and they're all like carrying machetes like what's the <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're gonna get her <laughs> right so then she sits on the slide for two hours yeah that's a huge bummer but it's not the end of the world let's like let's try to figure this out look forward move forward so we are um hey, this book is very helpful but we're also there's a lot of things that it's like yeah i've I've tried that and I think we need to readjust. Exactly. You know, like right. we've done this and I believe in it because it has worked, but now it's not working. Mm. Like a picture chart for Mason in the morning, for example, too great for school. But I think it's just, we need a new picture chart mm-hmm. because she's older and she doesn't, she's bored with the picture chart she totally. has, or she wants to like even use her finger to like erase something off a whiteboard. So that makes sense. we have to keep revisiting Revisiting. And keep parenting. Every day we have to parent our kids. So there's that. Man. There's that. Right? I mean, why can't we just count what we did two weeks ago, you guys? Why can't we count what we did two weeks ago? Why do you have to do it every day? I already parented two weeks ago. I did it. I did such a great job that day. <laughs> and I'm tired today. I'm so tired. Oh, gosh. I think, I mean, I I come back to this this reaction thing. And this is similar to what you're saying. Um, Heather about the like getting Mason in from the playground is I did you guys see it's towards the end of the book he's got this description it made me laugh out loud this morning I was reading it this uh, kid grabs thought it was like grabs a kitchen knife and is chasing his sister around the house <laughs> and it's like a recurring behavior <laughs> so bad <laughs> like, oh my gosh like, like the pushing down the that. stairs right. like terrifying right. and so of course the parents are like stop it right. <laughs> which we should <laughs> but this idea of like we've got to figure out how to get the knife right. without screaming Right. And without flailing our arms. Right. And without, you know, making a scene, which is just ridiculous, like that right. we have to figure out how to do that because, um, you know, of, of everything in our body says scream right. and chase quickly. It, well, we're supposed to chase quickly. Totally. It's like one but, of those memes that come out they're like, or what sometimes on Facebook, what is one thing you wouldn't expect yourself saying as a parent? And I picture that mom being like, totally. Don't chase your sister with a knife. Don't chase your sister with a knife. It's something I didn't expect myself saying. (laughs) And it's funny how, like, his common sense answer, Dr. Stein in the book, is like, I told the parents to put the knives where the the child can't reach them and, you know, put a latch on it or whatever. Right. And the parents were like, okay, but that's really hard because you got to be able to reach the knives. It's inconvenient. It's the inconvenience. And it conveniences everything when you're a parent. I mean, you got to make that dinner quick. Right. So, but it's like, I think that that is a lot of the things that I have found in parenting a child with Down syndrome is like, this is actually not like crazy hard. It's right. just a difference. And it's inconvenient to cha- to shift your thinking. It's right. inconvenient to like, you know, have to learn something so that you can explain it to the teacher. And, and all of those things are, there's definitely things that are hard about it, but so much is like, yeah, I've got to make a, a storybook about Ace going to the doctor and that's going to take some time. But, you know, this is not like asking me to do 30 chin-ups. I mean, good grief. If I had to, I can make a picture about 30 chin ups, though. Never. <laughs> Not without modification. Not serious <laughs> modification. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, it's true, though. I, I just you. want to revisit, too, and it's why I threw the question in last minute. The thing in the book that really stuck with me was the tank. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I see it with Mason, especially at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Uh, and her teacher said to me, we had a meeting yesterday. They said, by lunchtime, she's wiped. No, like, she's done. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't blame her. I couldn't. Right. I could not imagine. And just to rem- the reminder of our kids with Down syndrome are having to process so much more information in such a different way than, uh, than most other kids, right. which is why I'm always, like, so in awe of Mason. I'm always mm-hmm. thinking, 
you're an amazing little girl. Like you keep showing up to these places. Um, but by lunchtime she's done. So then that's our conversation now is, do we have a shortened day at school? You know, like what do, what do we now do? How do we rework this? So we're not doing math after lunch. Lord have mercy. That's oh my like the gosh. Worst I wouldn't be good ever. at math. <laughs> right? <laughs> we all need to be taking naps after lunch, not doing math. 100%. For sure. But just like that, like this is a, quote, I'm using air quotes, normal thing for a person with Down syndrome. I always right. find so much comfort in that. Oh, okay. You know, like I'm not losing my mind here and Mason's not an out of control kid. Right. Her tank is empty and this yeah, is what right. happens. Deep breath. You know? Yeah, I love that. I, we have a, a phrase we use at our house called the anxiety jar, and this was something that we learned <laughs> years ago with with our with one of our sons. Um, and the therapist kind of taught us that everybody has an anxiety jar. Some people's fill up easier than others, right? Um, but it's and my husband will be like, Micah, I think your anxiety jar is full. I think you should go take a like walk to the room and sit for a little bit. Uh, but it's like. You've got this jar and you're filling it all day. So it's kind of the opposite of the tank idea, but you're filling it all day with hard things. And if you, it doesn't matter what the last thing is that doesn't fit, you know, it could be like, go wash your hands for dinner. And that's where the kid is going to fall apart. Right. Right. So it's not a matter of like, whether it's hard or not, it's just the jar is already fully loaded and there's nowhere else to put it. And Um, So that, like, but I think both of those things are really helpful ideas of like, yeah, I need to have some more compassion and figure out what what to do when the jar is full or when the tank is empty. And more awareness, I feel like, too, like, Mm -hmm. uh, okay, noticing Sunny's behavior. Oh, she's tired. Like, just the, to stop, to pause, to be aware. And I did want to include, though, I know sometimes for me, it is kind of hard continually staying ahead of sunflower or even my other two kiddos of Mm. like how to best create an environment that's safe. And so that I'm not worried about, she doesn't run around with a knife, but you know, adjusting (laughs) your, your knife drawer, putting it now it's up in the cabinet. Like sometimes I get exhausted. Okay. What are some things Sunny likes to do? She likes to go to the refrigerator, get the milk out because she's telling me she wants milk and then it's open and then it gets spilled, you know? So now we have a lock on a refrigerator now making sure every time we use refrigerator that it's locked up. And I know sometimes at the end of the day, Andy comes home and I'm like, I need a break from being in charge of the possible accidents and possible (laughs) things that might happen. I need you to take over. Were they crazy? Actually, no. I just need to not be on alert right now. Yeah. 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 That's a a part I didn't um, know about really until Sunflower was tall enough to reach locks, tall enough to reach the top of the counters. Um, running, climbing everything. Like I didn't know that my mind would be mentally that tired from preventing things. Yeah. 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 There was an episode on a podcast that um, I have loved. It's, it ended recently, but it's called Dear Sugars. And they had this whole episode on emotional labor. Hmm. And it was that sort of thing, like the emotional weight of carrying the family of like, yes, being in charge of making sure things don't happen, of dealing when they do. And it's a um, it's a real thing. And I don't think that we give ourselves credit enough for like how much we carry mm-hmm. when we're having to always think and mm-hmm. having to always be present and um, yeah, meet our kids where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the, that awareness is so important. And like he's saying, it's all, like that's sounded to me one of his number one things is it's on us mm-hmm. and our emotional well-being mm-hmm. and as parents like just encouraging everyone before we move on to our next parts here to um make sure that you are aware of where you're at emotionally and being okay to say hey i gotta bow out and some people who are single parents like it can be harder depending on situations but really just encouraging everyone to find that space to be able to say oh yeah it was actually a great day but i'm my tank is empty, yeah, right? Yeah, like it's yeah, parents yeah. and I just need to sit in the bathroom alone for five minutes or go for a walk or whatever your life situation allows you to do. Right. So yeah, that is, that is a great place to stop. And also just a reminder to our listeners, this book 
um, written by Dr. David Stein. It's called Supporting Positive Behavior hmm. um, in Children and Teens with Down Syndrome. So That's we recommend awesome. it so much. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody should. We'll put a link to uh, a place where you can buy it. Um, friends, we're going to hop over to hear a little more from this week's sponsor. And then we'll be back with the sweetest part of this and every week of the Lucky Few podcast. We are so pumped. Love Every is sponsoring the show this month. Their products are gorgeous, as are their models, because I have to brag here, Ace is one of them. (laughs) He's so cute. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I received a Love Every play tent, and it is so beautifully made. They're wood, sleek, simple design, I think best fits your child's development at the age as a baby and as aesthetically pleasing as it looks you want to keep it up in your house you know as mom you're like it doesn't go with my the plastic ones the bright colors doesn't go the um play tent is beautifully handcrafted and goes with your style guaranteed (laughs) i love that and they have these things that are called play kits that are curated basically for your child's age from birth up until a year. And the one that the box that we have is for 11 to 12 month old and the toys are amazing. They're all matched developmentally to where your child is at and you can receive these in the mail basically every month. So such a great gift to give also to your friends. Yeah, and here's why I love them the most. They're actually serious about every baby and that's why they have kids with different abilities in their marketing images like my ace face. Um, because they really do believe that all of our kids matter and they have they want to work with parents who are walking into a new diagnosis and get these toys right so you can let them know your concerns and they'll work with you to make sure the kids are on track let them know you're a lucky few listener and you'll get 10% off your subscription to the play kits or $10 off a tent just use the code the lucky few at checkout and find out why they're being praised from the pages of pop sugar to people magazine to real simple All right, friends, welcome back to the Lucky Few podcast. We just finished up our conversation with Dr. David Stein, our expert on all things Down syndrome and behavior. And now, friends, before you go buy his book, because everyone needs to do that the second you're done listening, um, it's time for what we like to call good news. Good news. (laughs) Good news. Good news. Yeah, Merce, get in there. I know, I got in there. Okay, so my good news is um, Sunflower, I went to her back to school night and she had an awesome report. She's just rocking it at school. Her teacher, she has two teachers in the class, love having her. She is excelling at arts and crafts. She could work on coming back to the line after recess, but amongst her peers they're all kind of working on stuff like that in circle time she's a little wiggly but um she sits there and um it's just amazing it's so fun it was just positive there was no like oh uh no it was great that's so cool yeah it's really good news um i have good news and it's that i well first of all talking about parents success I feel like I learned the hard way about potty training and not putting my own anxiety on my kids. And I feel like this time around, I am not putting anxiety on Ace. I feel like we are just going slow and cheering the whole way. And it's been really cool to see how he's responding. And he's been sitting on the potty for like two and a half weeks and he's peed a few times. He pooped yesterday. Um, yeah, I just, it, I feel like, okay, this is, I'm, I'm geared up and ready for it to go for a long time and take a long right. time, but I'm okay. And I feel like he's having a good time. So good. That's news. awesome. <laughs> I feel like as, <laughs> as parents raising kids with Down syndrome, the first time your kid poops on the toilet is some of the best news of mm-hmm. your whole life. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Up to that moment, right? I've won the lottery. <laughs> and then the first time they actually are successful on the toilet. Okay. We had, um. Uh, this is from a listener, 
who wrote in and she doesn't have a child with Down syndrome. She has a son who's considered gifted, but at school he was recently paired with a student who has Down syndrome. And so her good news is that her son was paired with this other student who has Down syndrome to do some activities together and that it has created such incredible opportunity for her son who's been academically gifted his whole life. She said he's learned patience and joy to see people, to see that people are just like him, that he can be helpful he can be a friend and he can have a friend and this is the best kind of education that her kid could be given so that's good i love that good news okay way to go people we love our good news (laughs) love it that was the singing (laughs) (laughs) guys friends we have had a just wonderful conversation here and i'm so grateful um again to dr david stein for his expertise and taking the time to be on our show and we are thankful for our sponsor for this episode and as always we are thankful to our editor producer andy laura so remember if you love the lucky few podcast share it with a friend subscribe leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and let's go out there. Let's print and laminate some visuals, people. <laughs> let's get the sleep we need so we can be emotionally present for our children. And let's go make the world an amazing place for people we love with Down syndrome. We'll see you next week on the Lucky Few Podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>